Well, today we're concluding a six-week series in the first chapter of Mark that has been titled The Beginning. It still is titled that today. <laughs> and it's based on the first verse of Mark's gospel, which says this, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And this, this is the larger purpose of Mark's gospel, to reveal that Jesus was in fact the long-awaited Messiah promised way back in the Old Testament and anticipated by the Jewish people. And it's, it's a very interesting kind of thing because the first chapter of Mark's gospel really captures about the first full week of Jesus' public ministry. And uh, the, the kind of statement in the back of my mind as I was thinking up this series was, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And the things that Jesus focused on initially probably should be very important for us. And, you know, week one we focused on the identity of Jesus and uh, the temptation he confronted in the wilderness. Week two, his message and his disciples. Week three, his authority. Week four, the way Jesus organized his life around a spiritual family, the inward dimension of his life. And last week, the other two dimensions of Jesus' life, upward and outward. And this week, this final week, we get, I think, to Jesus' philosophy of ministry, how it was that he engaged people, uh, how he conducted the ministry that was his, up close and hands-on. Let's listen to the scripture. Reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Clyde. Uh, well, I was, believe it or not, on a video call this week. <laughs> Story of life these days, right? And uh, I'm privileged to be part of a kind of a network that meets a couple times a month by video call. And uh, a, there was a new woman on our call this week. Uh, Crystal and I had actually met her before at a national gathering in California, but her name is Gwen and she's from Alaska and she leads uh, a very significant Christian ministry that rescues girls and young women out of human trafficking in, in Alaska. 
just incredible stuff. It's been a really, really hard year, year for her and her team. Uh, and of course, COVID on top of that has made it extremely difficult. And she was just sharing about her realization as a leader that she needed to focus on the positives and she needed to engage her team members in that kind of way. So she began asking everybody on her team one question. What are the five best things to come out of COVID for you? You know, not that we ever want, you know, nobody wants this, it's horrible, we want it to go away. But what are the five best things to come out of COVID for you? And that, that really got me thinking. Just think back over the last year. Think of all the innovations. Think of the way people were kind of unshackled to think in new ways and do new things. And I mean, our whole video deal, right? We never had that. I mean, all sorts of things. All the learning that has taken place. Maybe about things that we were never interested in, right? But there's been so much learning. I mean, who, who would have used the phrase social distancing 18 months ago? That, was, that wasn't a thing. Or who would have thought that there would have been you know, guidelines, laws even, that states have to wear a mask to cover the lower part of your face? I mean, all of this new learning and... and and what that, what that does for us in a, in a time of pandemic. Uh, those were all new to us. You might be surprised to learn that the social distancing guidelines and masking mandate were not new to the Bible. In fact, they're both in the Bible. Did you know this? The original social distancing and masking guidelines came to us not from the CDC, but from the law of Moses, Leviticus 13 and 14. In the ancient world, there were a whole host of skin diseases that came under the broad umbrella leprosy. And here is the social distancing and masking command for everyone with leprosy. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes and let their hair be unkempt cover the lower part of their face, there's the masking mandate, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp at social distance. Later rabbinic tradition defined what social distance a leper was to keep from others. It wasn't six feet. It was 50 paces, 150 feet, at least for us tall people. (laughs) 150 feet. Uh, For most, a diagnosis of leprosy in the ancient world was a sentence worse than death. And it was likely you would suffer from a dreadful disease for the rest of your life and that in the end it would take your life. You were cut off from almost all human contact save maybe a leper colony, which again, remember all the variety of diseases that came under that broad term leprosy. If you showed up in a leper leper colony, you might catch five things you didn't have to begin with. They were horrible places. If you had a family, if you're married, had kids, No contact. You were not allowed to enter populated areas. If you saw another person approaching, you had to cry out in a loud voice, unclean, unclean. 
so that they would know of your condition and steer clear. You were cast out of the covenant community for all practical purposes, not allowed in the temple, not allowed to even enter the city of Jerusalem. You had to wear tattered clothes and a mask, cover the lower part of your face, and by law, every day for you was a bad hair day. You were not allowed to tend your hair. You had to make it scruffy so that you were visibly identifiable very easily so that people could stay away from you. I mean, this is horrible. Now, this is our last little chunk of Mark 1, and as I've been saying all along, the danger in doing little chunks is that like we show up on a Sunday and think, oh, here's our little chunk for the day and lose track of where it fits in the, in the larger story. So you've got to keep reading Mark 1 over and over and over again. So remember the context of this. Remember uh, last week and that story. It was last week, it was the morning after the day Jesus cast the demon out in the synagogue and you know, later that evening the whole town showed up at the door of his new, new family home and he, he stayed up late into the night doing all, all the healing and then as the story began last week, Jesus snuck out early in the morning to get a little prayer time to spend some time focusing on his relationship with God. He didn't tell anybody when the others woke up, they wondered where he was, this all-out search for him. Where's Jesus? Where did he go? All these people need him and want him, and he should be here. Simon finally finds him and says, well, everybody's looking for you. Come on. There's a thing going on. You need to be back here. And Jesus says, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also, for that is why I have come. You know, very, very clearly, one of the ministries that Jesus conducted was a ministry of healing. Um, and that, that ministry continues today, right? Uh, both through miraculous means and through the means of the medical community. But, but he, he pretty clearly understood that the crowd that showed up at his door that night was less interested in, in what he had to say and more interested in what he could do for them. And by saying, hey, let's go somewhere else, I got to preach, I got to get the message out, he was, he was pretty much saying, making it clear that he hadn't just come to grant people temporary physical healing in this earthly life. As much as that is a sign of God's kingdom, you know, where there will be no more disease, he came to inaugurate the kingdom of God, to kick it off. He came to conquer death. He came to make all things new. So we're, we're coming right off that story. It's right before the story we read today. We're coming right off that story, the I'm not here just to heal people story. And we get this. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I, I want to submit to you that this is this is one of the most meaningful and moving interactions between Jesus and another human being in the entire Bible. And the thing that makes this story both meaningful and moving is the blatant violation of the social distancing laws of Moses. You know, I, I didn't have quite as much time to do my sermon homework this week as I would have liked. I, I wanted to track down with some specificity, what happened to lepers who broke the law? You know, I'm supposed to keep 50 paces, but what if, what if they didn't? 
you know? And I don't know for sure, but I got to imagine, maybe you get one strike, maybe two, three strikes, I'm betting you're out. Meaning the community would stone you to death. I think there's a pretty high likelihood that that's, that's what's going on here. So the leper approaching Jesus was literally taking his life in his hands. He was breaking the law. I mean, to, to understand this, this story and apply it to our lives, we've got to get that. We have to imagine our way in, into the, the leper's reality. So walk a mile in his shoes for a moment, would you? Physically diseased. Likely for the rest of his life. Socially deserted. Completely alone. Emotionally devastated. Everything was taken away. There wasn't anything left. I mean, this guy is broken in every way you can be broken. And apparently, he was willing to risk death. It was that bad for him. He could not go on like this. And he had one thought. Maybe, maybe Jesus. So he went to Jesus and begged. But Jesus was indignant. The word means he was filled with emotion. He was peeved. He was angry. As any good Jewish person would be. How dare this guy? Flagrant violation of the law. Not only are you, Mr. Leper, not following the law, you're putting me at risk. What are you doing? Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Well, now I'm confused. Right? I, I thought he was mad. I thought he was indignant. Why, why did he heal the guy? You see, Jesus was angry, but just not at the leper. He was angry at disease. To quote one commentator, he was filled with the righteous indignation against the ravages of a fallen world. He was peeved that disease could have such sway in the life of a man he loved, bringing that man to such a state of brokenness. Jesus was beside himself that a child of God, an image bearer of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, was forced to live with such indignity because of the brokenness brought into the world by sin. That's what made him mad. Jesus was angry because this was not the way it was supposed to be. This isn't the only place in Scripture Jesus demonstrates this kind of emotion. We see it in John 11. Too, that's the part of John 11 is uh, when Lazarus died and Jesus went and raised Lazarus to life and Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, greet Jesus. And those of you who've read that story, maybe parts of it are coming back to your mind. But it, it reaches a point in the story where it goes like this. When Jesus saw her weeping 
and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? Jesus asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Where did you put Lazarus' body? Let me see. And he went and saw and he wept. Deeply moved in spirit and troubled means angry. He was angry at the effects of sin in the world. And he wept. I mean, why did he cry? He knew, didn't he, that he was going to raise Lazarus to life in just a moment? He knew that this particular chapter of this little story was going to have a good news ending. So why the tears? Because Jesus cares. And Jesus is heartbroken over the impact that sin and death have in the lives of people he loves. It makes him cry. I mean, the risk the leper took in approaching Jesus, the anger of Jesus at the presence and pain of disease, and finally, the response of Jesus. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean, with an exclamation point. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Now in Israel, not only was the leper not allowed to touch the non-leper, the non-leper was not allowed to touch the leper. That was illegal. Jesus touched the man. Now everybody knows leprosy is a transferable skin disease that is transferred primarily by physical touch. No one had touched this guy in a long, long time. No human touch at all. And Jesus reaches out and touches him, puts his hand on him. The touch of Jesus. And in so doing, Jesus broke the law. Jesus touched a leper and broke the law of Moses, the very law he came, he said he came to fulfill. Think about that one for a moment. That's kind of interesting. I mean, Jesus showed us that when a lesser law comes into a conflict, comes into conflict with the law of love, love should win. I mean, love. Remember that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love. Love God and love people. I mean, this is kind of the baseline ethical mandate of the gospel. Love. And Jesus did that by reaching out his hand and and touching this man. And, And as Jesus touched the man, Jesus spoke. The touch of Jesus and the word of Jesus. And he said, I am willing, be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left the man and he was cleansed. So let's be clear here. This was a miracle. 
any attempt to water it down does injustice to the clear claim of the text. This was a miracle. This is referring to a radical, instantaneous physical healing that would have been observable if we were there to witness it. That's what happened. The healing power of Jesus flows through the touch of Jesus and the word of Jesus. And now in the new covenant with the priesthood of all believers, Jesus uses us many times as his agents in the world. He extends his touch through us. He extends his word through us, which is an amazing thing. Now there's a lot of mystery around healing and sometimes we, we ask and ask and ask for healing and we, we, we don't get the kind of healing for which we're praying, for a friend, a family member. Uh, disease is brutally hard. Everybody still dies. Every single person Jesus healed in the Bible went on to die at some point. But, but those two realities, the fact that we don't get the kind of healing for which we pray sometimes, and that everybody still dies, those two things shouldn't make us gun-shy to pray for healing. Right? I mean, the way I read the Bible, it sure seems like Jesus invites us to pray for healing for, for ourselves and for others. And it sure seems like Jesus invites us to stick with it, to persevere, even when we initially don't receive the answer for which we hope. Maybe it's about something bigger than that for which we're asking. See, the leper took great risk in approaching Jesus. And in his response, the Lord revealed his heart for people, his approach to them, up close and hands-on. I mean, his was not an ivory tower ministry. It was, it was in the streets. It was dusty and dirty and, and messy. He cared. He cried. He showed us how to demonstrate compassion and mercy. He showed us how to reach out to the sick and to the marginalized. He showed us how to love, actually how to do that. And I believe the words that Jesus spoke over the leper that day long ago, he continues to speak. And he's speaking over us right now. Right, you can hear it. I am willing, be clean. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me. God, we thank you not only that you're good, but that you're willing to step out of heaven into the mess with us. And not only are you willing to step into the mess with us, you walk with us, you reach out to us, you speak to us. Lord, you are so good. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Thank you for modeling what our lives might look like as we follow you in loving this world so broken and yet so loved by you. God, pour out your spirit upon us. Cleanse us deeply wherever we need that.
heal us wherever we need that and show us Christ. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.